Welcome to All Things Erie from Erie PA. I'm Kathy, your host for today's episode. And believe it or not, by the time this episode will hit, it's going to be the first weekend in October. So I thought I would take a step back from the series episodes and have some fun for this month. October is my favorite time of the year, and all the beautiful trees turning different colors, bright, beautiful days, and crisp, cold nights. And obviously, this year is different with the pandemic going on. So I thought, as I'm typing this, that the weekends we have our granddaughter, we'll have our own little fall festival here at the house. One weekend this month, we'll be having our witch's tea party, and I'll be taking pictures and, you know, having some fun with that. And who can resist some nice hot tea and some little cakes and cookies, right? And we have a tree that's losing its leaves, so we can rake them and jump into them like we used to do as a kid. Although we had way more trees, and I don't think our neighbor is going to mind if we rake up her leaves and jump into them. But for episode 49 this week, it's going to take us to Gettysburg, PA. We're going to talk about the ghost sightings that have taken place there. Now, I've been there. It was many, many years ago, 1987-88. I was on a school trip. That was when the tower was still there and you could climb it and look out over the graves, which was a spectacular sight and very sobering too. It also gave you a look at where the soldiers had set up for battle in a couple of places. If you were into that kind of stuff, and I am, and I always have been. And what made me choose this for my first episode was on a post from on Facebook about a sighting of a ghost that was caught on camera going across the road. It was really strange to watch and it made me wonder if the ghost knew what was going on. As researched for this article, a lot of people went into the historical aspect of Gettysburg. The amount of lives lost, which generals that were there, which fields that the soldiers they were trying to win, and which ones were the deadliest. Now, For this episode, I'm going to keep it straight ghost stories, although I might give some background here and there for the that particular story. Just for a little background, somewhere around 7,500 soldiers died on the battlefields of Gettysburg in the hot July heat of 1863. Many of them buried without the rights of a priest and no names, forgotten with time, their souls left to wander the battlefield in search of their lost regiments. Some are said to roam a local inn and in the local town along the battlefield of Gettysburg. People have seen apparitions, heard cries, the wounded soldiers, eerily Civil War music has been heard. Even the sound of horse hooves have been heard because, if you think about it, there were just not human victims on the battlefield then. I guess my question would be, are the animals attached to the human riders or... Are they just as lost as those that were the thousand of victims of the war? According to an article by Barbara No from the National Geographic written back in 2011, on her tour through Gettysburg was what she noticed was not what she saw as far as ghosts. Ghost tours have become a good business for, for Gettysburg. And just a few years prior to this article being written, there were only a few, quote, ghost companies. Then when Barbara No wrote this article for this piece, she noticed that there were 21 within a few blocks that had promised different types of experiences. 
So I went online since the article was written way back in 2011. That was 19 years ago. Kids have been born and starting college just to see how many places you could go to. There were multiple pages on Google to look up ghost tours for Gettysburg, even on TripAdvisor, some starting as little as 11.50 for children under the ages were free. Certain ages were for free. Not that I would take a young child. If I was going on a ghost tour, I would want to go as an adult party. There were a lot to choose from. But what are some of the stories that have come out of the war? The video I just watched was about a family that was on vacation in Gettysburg and they were filming a tree line. Now I have to admit I've seen this one before and it still gives me the creeps today. But as they were looking at this tree line, out of nowhere it seems a line of men, so to speak, go, start to go into the tree line and up a path that only they can see. And the family can only see the tops and backs of the men as they weave in and out of the trees. Who are the men and what do you think they're doing? Were they a group that were scouting? Homes were taken over by both Union and Confederate soldiers for makeshift hospitals. And one of them was the Hoffman Mansion. Now, these makeshift hospitals were not for the weak at heart. There would be limbs that were sawed off instead of saved and taken out and put into piles along with the many others that had come before. The stories from the Hoffman Mansion are that the Union soldiers still take up res residence there and that the visitors have reported hearing disembodied voices and seeing apparitions of soldiers. One of the rumors to come from the mansion is that the original owner of the mansion's daughter hanged herself after she had learned that her lover had been unfaithful to her and her spirit is said to be in the attic and will make an appearance in photos as as an orb or other light anomalies another is the daniel lady farm that was used also as a makeshift hospital for the confederate side the blood stains are still visible in the woodwork around the home and the barn area and if one really looks you can see initials and small graffiti left by those soldiers carved into the beams. There has been forensic testing done and it is shown that it is human blood and that they have even brought in cadaver dogs and have confirmed the presence of graves around the farm. To this day, the farm still shows signs of structural damage done during the war. When the family came back to the farm, they, they found greeting them in the upstairs of their home, a dead Confederate soldier still lying in one of the beds. One of the biggest places used as a hospital in Morgue was the Gettysburg College. The hall was built in 1837 and often referred to today as the old dorm. Confederate soldiers took up residence in the Pennsylvania Hall and made it into a makeshift hospital, but as a lookout post as well. Several officers, including Lee himself, used the old dorm to keep an eye on the progress of the battle. According to different online articles, many men died from battle wounds, infection, and illness on the college grounds. There have been lots of students and professors over the years that have reported paranormal activity like objects going missing or being moved, flickering lights, and sensing negative energy. However, there have been several reporting of full-bodied apparitions of soldiers around the college. On some nights, according to the article by American Hauntings, students and staff members 
I've seen full figures of soldiers pacing back and forth in the cupola of the building, and descriptions of men vary, but it's believed to have been sentries who have been placed on duty there to guard the safety of Lee or deliver messages to the battlefield. Story dated back to the early 20th century. According to an article by Beth Price Williams, there were two college employees entered into an elevator. When they pushed the button to go to the floor they wanted, nothing big there, right? However, the elevator malfunctioned, taking them straight to the basement, and when the doors opened, the woman saw a bloody Civil War operating room with doctors working feverishly to save the, the lives of the dying soldiers. As they watched, the doctor walked towards them, and the doors closed. The women returned with a security guard, and they found nothing. But here at the college, it's not just soldiers that are sighted. Many students have reported seeing a spirit known as Blue Boy, who was an orphan who had frozen to death one winter's night while seeking shelter at the college. And students report seeing this little guy on cold winter nights in the windows of the dorm. Which will take us into our next story, because one of the effects of war is death, and a ripple of that is what happens to the children of those who die. Well, during this time period, many orphan orphanages were built to meet this great need in the country at the time. However, there is always one, known as the National Homestead at Gettysburg. The orphanage was built to receive the many children and widows that had lost the parent or their spouse because of the Civil War. Not only that, the property it was built on was part of the original battlefield. It was purchased near the Soldiers National Cemetery to build the orphanage, which opened in November of 1866. When, and this is when the orphanage opened. It had approximately, there's different, different places had different numbers, approximately 30 children at this time. And this number is a rough estimate because like I said, it depends on which site you go to. Some said it started with as many six as 60. Now the original headmistress was replaced at one point with a, name, uh, with a woman named Rosa J. Carmichael, who turned out to be someone who took delight in punishing children. Well, Carmichael went so far as to make a dungeon in the basement where it said she changed, chained misbehaving children to the walls and had kept them locked there for days without food or water. Carmichael went even farther by making a pit, which was small, lightless crevice in the dungeon where the children were forced to stay as punishment. People believe that the orphanage is haunted by the spirits of the children who died from disease, malnourishment, while other people believe it's Rose Carmichael herself who is still haunting the grounds of the orphanage. By the time the orphanage was closed, there were approximately 200 children at this orphanage. And because of the cruelty of Carmichael, these children were displaced. The orphanage was eventually turned into the Soldiers National Museum, which is very, very sad. Not that it was sad that it, that it was changed into the museum, but the sad part was that the children were displaced because there was nowhere else for them to go because of this woman. One story that comes out of this is that the spirit of George Washington himself appeared before the Union soldiers, not once, but twice. The first time 
to lead them in the right direction before starting, and then the second time in the heat of battle to spur the soldiers onward. The division commander that testified to the president's ghostly appearance saying, we know not what mystic power may be possessed by those who are bivouacking with the dead. I only know the effect by I dare not explain or deny the cause. Who shall say that Washington was not among the number of those who aided the country that he founded? End quote. Could it be that the one man said that he saw what that he said he saw, quote, Washington, and because those who were with him wanted to see him, and because they believed so badly, they actually believed that they did. And, that, and this just became the beginning of first of many sightings. Little Round Top is also known as the Valley of Death and Slaughter Pen because of how many men who had died and had laid there decomposing where they fell and stayed there for months afterwards. At Devil's Den, according to the article from American Hauntings, in the 1970s, it seemed that while out looking around on the battlefield, a woman had come across something interesting. This woman then came into the National Park Service Information Center to ask the possibilities of ghosts and if there were any on the battlefield. I'm sure this has been asked a lot at this point, and was said so in the article. Now, officially, the park rangers are not supposed to say anything about ghosts. Quote, we can neither confirm nor deny, kind of like the CIA. But this park ranger asked why she wanted to know. Me personally, I would have said the same, said the same thing because that's just who I am. Now, this lady goes on to say that while she had been out walking the battlefield that morning, she was taking pictures of the scenery. She had been out at Devil's Den and had gotten out into the field of some smaller boulders which were scattered in front of the den itself and she had paused to take the picture. She felt a little uneasy, which okay, she's out in an area by herself and I know I would be. I don't know how familiar she was with the area. This woman went on to say that just as she raised her camera to her eye, she had sensed that someone was beside her. And when she turned to look, she said she saw a man standing next to her. This woman went on to describe this man as looking like a hippie. Remember, this was the 70s with long, dirty hair, raggedy clothing, a big floppy hat, and he had no shoes. This man looked at her and just said, what you're looking for is over there. And he pointed behind her. When she looked behind her to see what he had pointed at and then turned back around, he was gone, like vanished, out of sight. A month later or longer, the same ranger had been on duty when another person came in and had asked the same questions. This man too had been taking pictures at Devil's Den, but this time around, while he had been taking pictures a month before where the image of a man had appeared on the exposed frame, but the man had not been there when the photo had been taken. When he had asked to describe the man, he too had described the man looking like a hippie, long hair, old clothing, and that he was barefoot. Now, during the war, there were a lot of Confederate soldiers who fought at Devil's Den. Someone, some were for from Texas, which at that time, believe it or not, Texas was the most remote frontier 
I mean, really, can you fathom that Texas was a frontier at one point? And these men did not receive packages from home, which would have had shoes and clothing in them like the rest of those that had lived closer or in the immediate area. And because of this, those that came from Texas had a wild look because they were often unkept and dirty. Another part of the story is that a photographer from the Civil War took a Confederate soldier's body and took it throughout the battlefield and would pose it and take several pictures. Another, about, to go along with that uh, photographer's story, with that said, cameras will not work properly in the triangular field. Some stories have been stated that the video and still cameras don't work, prop don't work properly or at all, but there are plenty of photos of this area. So I guess it just depends on where you are or when you're there and what is going on at the time. Because of this, those that live in Gettysburg were afraid of all the dead bodies and that they were just lying in the many fields and the fact that they were not buried properly and that soon there would be a breakout of some kind of disease, which makes sense. Remember, the men who died during this war were littered throughout the streets of Gettysburg. Now, I want you to picture this. You have a small town, there is this war, and there's thousands of bodies. Now, according to the American Haunting article, the dead had lined the streets and they were rotting in the heat of summer. A federal soldier was quoted as saying, corpse swollen to twice their original size had actually burst asunder. Several human or inhuman corpse sat upright against a fence with arms extended in the air and faces hideous with something very like a fixed leer. There were thousands of injured soldiers who were brought into homes and businesses and they were turned into field hospital. A woman was quoted as saying, wounded men were brought into our homes and laid side by side in our hall and rooms. Carpets were so saturated with blood as to be unfit for further use. Walls were bloodstained as well as books that were used for pillows. The Gettysburg National Cemetery had been erected as a union slash federal bur burial site. Southern states began forming federal or veteran societies and began to rebury their soldiers in the 1870s and move soldier bodies to cemeteries throughout the South. Now, having the graves of those that had died of a war, that they were buried hastily, some without the rights of their church, then only to be re-dug up again and to be moved to another area then to be moved again to another state would give those that believe in ghosts the possibility that there definitely are some angry souls in the area. But since we're on the subject of hauntings, I will talk, to, talk a little bit about what is considered the most haunted place in Erie, PA. Just a couple or an interesting piece. For those that are familiar with the area, and now that college is somewhat back in session, the old main tower that is located at Mercyhurst College was once part of a convent back in the early part of the 20th century. Back then, women could still become nuns, and women who had learned, as the legend goes, a woman who had learned 
as the legend goes, that her lover had been killed in World War II, so as brokenhearted as she was, went and promised her heart to God, as she felt that she couldn't love anyone else as much again. After a few years, this woman, who had become a nun, eventually finds out that the man that she had thought had died years ago is, of all things, alive. But it's too late. She had made a promise to God, and she wasn't going to break that promise. But her heart is torn. The woman had made a mistake, of which no one knows. But out of despair, she was locked. She locked herself in the tower, after, and after a time, she went insane. This woman couldn't bear it any longer and had committed suicide. After her death, the nuns had found a ring that had been given to her by her lover and placed at the bottom of a statue of the Virgin Mary. Now, the story goes that anyone who had touched this ring had ended up dead within five years. And for the safety of others, the ring had been taken and locked away, but for no reason it will reappear and there have been numerous sightings of a nun who roams the halls and it's wondered if this is the same nun that searches for her ring. Now, I want to make a statement that in no way do I want to glorify suicide. This is just a story that's been passed down for many years. We're going to move on to the Crowley Mansion, which is one of Erie's most haunted and is considered to be one of the very first buildings to be haunted in that is documented in Erie. Now, this house, according to the Paranormal Pastor article online, was located on the west side of the Walbridge Road and was about 100 yards southeast of East Lake Road. The Crowley family themselves had been a very wealthy family, and they came from Ireland. And Mr. Crowley, with his wife, Ellen Ahern, had several children before coming to Erie. And then they had several more after settling here. As the story goes, they lived a very long life till tragedy struck the eldest son, Bartholomew, who at 80 years old, and his daughter in 1893. Now that's when some burglars broke into their home and robbed the family. Not happy with just getting away with their gains, the men poured oil over Bartholomew and lit him on fire, then had threatened the daughter with cutting off her fingers to get the rings that she was wearing. Now, there is a report on this that can be found in the November 3rd, 1893 Buffalo Express, which I have available in my links on my, in, with my sources. Now, this wasn't the misfortunes to hit the family that lived in the home. It, remember, I said that they were plagued by, and according to Haunted Rooms online articles, several misfortunes that included murder, illness, and some untimely deaths. One was killed by his own wife, and as the legend goes, typhoid fever broke out in the area, and the husband came down with it. The wife apparently wasn't very happy with her marriage, and prior to the husband becoming sick, they fought a lot. And being his wife, she thought, well, he's sick, he's dying, I don't have to wait much longer. But unfortunately for the wife, there was a local doctor that was really good at her job, at his job. And soon the husband started to make a recovery. But there was a condition with his recovery. He wasn't to have any salty foods because this would set the husband's recovery back and could prove to be very fatal to her husband. So this gives the wife an idea. According to the online article, 
that the wife would finally be rid of the husband if she could just continue to feed him with heavy foods containing large amounts of salt. Her husband didn't suspect anything and ate happily the meals every day. Then one day after his meal of corned beef, the husband just died right before midnight that very day. But from that day forward, her husband haunted her just as the clock would stick midnight and some nights were said to be very violent. One night in particular, a china cabinet that was in the main dining area where the husband died shook so hard that the china inside smashed to pieces. However, the glass in the cabinet itself was left untouched. Not too long after the, that, the wife moved out of the house and never returned. I wouldn't return either. It was said that some families moved into the home but never stayed long. Would never say why, but soon no one wanted to live in the house, and the house remained vacant, and soon the house fell into disrepair and ruin. Those that visit, visit the site today say that they feel... Uh, a sadness and a lot of negativity and some have said that they have even seen an apparition on the property I'm you know but I wonder is it the husband of the wife looking for the one that betrayed him in life or is it Bartholomew you know looking for those that stole from them and just trying to find his family making sure that they're safe I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode like I said in the beginning, I'm wanting to have a little fun with October and the stories that come with it. If you enjoyed this, if you enjoyed this and would like to hear more or would like to hear some episode episodes about cases I've spoken about, please go to podbean.com, Facebook, iTunes, or Spotify at All Things Erie from Erie PA, and that's Erie with three E's. Or if you would like to leave a question or comment, you can go to either podbean.com or Facebook at All Things Erie from Erie PA or Twitter or Instagram at K-A-T-H-Y-B-R-D-L-Y. October is the month for all things fall and just to have fun with spooky movies, whether it's for kids or adults. I know this year is going to be different. The whole rest of this year is going to be different, but... I plan on making the best of it with my family with doing small fall activities that I can do with them. I hope that you all can do the same. So stay safe, stay healthy. This is Kathy signing off.